0: Lord Jesus, it's wonderful to be in your presence this morning. Just sense your gentleness here and your closeness to us as your people. And we're grateful for the way that you are so tender towards us, Lord. And we're grateful for the way that your love has been proven to us this morning in the cross. Lord, we are in no doubt of your heart being for us this morning. As your people and as your church, Lord, you have proven your goodness to us. And Lord, the right response this morning is to have our hearts wide open to a God we can fully trust. And Lord, wide open to the help on offer from heaven tonight, this morning, Lord. We're grateful we're not coming to you as orphans, as servants, Lord, but as family. To a Father who loves us through his word, and Jesus, our guarantee of your goodness this morning, Father, we are just amazed that we get to come into your kingdom so freely by the blood of Christ and to live for your kingdom this morning. And Father, as we look at this uh, thing that, that you are very concerned about or interested in, fruitfulness, Lord, I pray it would be on our hearts as well this morning, that we would see, we're not just save for closeness with Jesus but for your glory. And so, God, I pray you would stretch us this morning, stretch our vision of why we exist, stretch our vision of our salvation, that, Lord, we would see the grandeur of being able to participate in our short lifetime lifetime here on earth for the glory and majesty of this God who saved us. And I pray that you'd rescue us this morning from a crooked individualism that robs us from finding the purpose and glory of why we were made. We pray these things in your precious and wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let's turn our hearts to John 15, chapter 1 this morning. Very simple sermon. And we're we taking a, a pause on our, our usual series through Mark. Because we just feel it's, it's a time to double-click again, as this year is opening up, on what God is interested in. And uh, his primary purpose in our lives Flowing through two parts. And so I'm going to read from John chapter 15, verse 1 to 14. And I've entitled this morning's message, Fruitfulness Through Fellowship. Fruitfulness Through Fellowship. So let's read from John chapter 15, verse 1. Famous, famous words. This is Jesus speaking I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser or gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father, there's amazing words, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. This is an amazing section of scripture because it's the last conversation Jesus is having with his disciples before the cross. And I don't know if you've ever had a deathbed experience with a loved one, but those are the moments you choose that are the most important things you want to leave with them, right? And so this discourse, it's John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, is from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it is jam-packed of the things that Jesus wants his disciples to know in the light of this impending cross. And uh, this is a profound moment of Jesus unpacking his disciples' relationship to God. Another way of putting it is how he unpacks their salvation. He says, Guys, if you want to know how you fit in with this God who loves you from heaven, it looks like this. The first is is that there is only one vine that gives spiritual life. Please hear me this morning. This is not the God of the cosmos that's random and that you get to choose about who he is and what he looks like. There is only one way that you can experience forgiveness of sin and eternal life and the abundance of life that God designed you for. I want to remind you human beings in the room this morning, you were not designed to be your own God. You're not here by some random act of evolution. It's impossible scientifically speaking anyway. You are here by design and the designer has made you for a full and abundant life, but it only comes through one space, one person, one connection, one relationship. His name is Jesus Christ. He says there are many vines on offer, but he is the true vine. Christians in the room this morning, it is the greatest illustration of where you are going to find what you were made for. Not yet believers in the room this morning, you are invited to experience what you were made for by finding a relationship with this person called Jesus. The only way you will come alive to the God who made you is by believing in him. He is this vine through which nourishment and life and sustenance and power and all of its God-ordained goodness is going to flow to you. But there's another experience. He's the vine. Oh, the believer in Christ becomes the branch. And that is something absolutely profound. A branch is unable to exist by itself. In other words, if you are on your own mission this morning and Christ is being bypassed either by your sweat, blood, and tears of effort to somehow be presentable to God, or if he's an afterthought, or if there's somehow some aspect of your living where you think this world is more important, although it is passing away, what you will find is it will damage you. It will damage you. It is impossible to live the life God ordained for you outside of Jesus. Now, I hope that's realistic or settles in your heart in a profound way because, friends, what we are talking about here is the essence of why we are alive. And to be a branch, not connected to the vine, Jesus is saying, is inviting spiritual death into your life. Even for the Christian, it will damage you. It will stop you experiencing. That's the point. You might be in the kingdom, but you will not experience the kingdom because of your disconnection to the king. Ah, but it goes on to say, and this is my own uh, slotting in here. Jesus doesn't say this, but I think it fits quite well in with the New Testament, is, is how this relationship happens. It's not some abstract connection to Jesus as king of the cosmos. It's Jesus coming and the Father coming and making their home in you by the Spirit. What I'm preaching on this morning is Jesus' invitation to know a God that you can feel. A God that can touch you by His Spirit. A God that is connected to you by his voice. A God who's interested in your thoughts and your concerns and your dreams and your desires. A God that comes and inhabits you. Don't ask me how it works, but it's possible that there is this living connection to Jesus. It's not just a, a theoretical position, friends. It is an experience of goodness through the Spirit in your heart that nothing else compares to you. And lastly, and and this is why I want to open up with the, the, the role players of our salvation, is that God the Father is like a gardener in your life. Please listen to me carefully this morning. What is the gardener interested in? In other words, when he looks at your life, what is his primary concern? It is your connection to the vine and how healthy you are in that space. Now, if you will give me a moment where you'll let me just unpack this. It is profound. Jesus is very concrete. I love the way he uses nature to explain what is supernatural. But if this doesn't sink into our hearts simplistically or in a way that we can wrap our heads around and encourage our hearts with, we're going to miss the profoundness of what it means to have the hand of the garden at work in our lives. Because my opening point is this. What is God's primary purpose in life? your life. It's a very important question. What is God doing? And the reason why it's important in John chapter 15, the Christian can always answer the question, God, what are you doing in my life? Have you ever asked that question? Yes, I have many times. You might be here this morning asking that question. What on earth is God doing? Why are these things happening in my life? What is God interested in? What is his purpose and plan for my life? Well, in essence, fundamentally, the Christian can always answer it in two parts. The first part is this, is we have the answer to the question of God, what are you doing in this? is that God is primarily interested in your fellowship with Jesus. That's what a gardener does. What his hand is at work at all the time to swat off pests and to fertilize and to water and to, he's interested in this vine growing and these branches flowing with health and everything that gardener's hand is doing is to promote that, that connection. Everything God is doing in your life through thick and thin is to draw you closer to Jesus. Now that is a profound thought. Anybody in the midst of trial this morning Anybody facing the temptation of valuing other things more than Jesus and finding your life, not being able to settle in a space outside of him. God loves you too much to let you grow distance from Jesus because he knows the more that we are further away from Christ, the more damage happens and the more we are closer to Christ. Not only does he receive a fruitfulness that brings him glory, but there is a fullness that comes into your life which you were designed for. And you might find this God in his hand can be very intentional. He might cut things off in your life. I want to say to you, in my short experience, in comparison to some of you, I have learned that God takes competition with Christ very seriously. And you can find that he can cut things off in your life. Why? To be nasty? No, friends, it is that you might draw more closely to the God who saved you. And the closer you get to Jesus, the better it is for you. Can someone just say amen to that? You see, this is the context for suffering. Suffering. Some of you have had a very difficult last two or three years. Some of you had a lifetime of suffering. I want to say to you, Christian, you must have a context of why pain comes into your life. It is meant to do one thing, and you can preempt it. No matter where you are this morning, you can preempt God's purpose in your life. You know, whatever is taken away, whatever is brought into your life, you know it is for this primary purpose purpose of this gardener driving you into the vine, to draw from him, to live with him, and to enjoy him. Friends, this is the purpose of God in your life. And why is it so important? Do you know what Christian maturity is? It's an ability to respond by default in going, there's pressure coming into my life. My posture is, I'm going to get closer to Jesus. If you do that, you will flow with grace, my friends. But if you will not do that, That's the position of faith. I'm not saying it's easy. Remember, Jesus sweat blood in the Garden of of Gethsemane. But it was his victory. The reason why he could embrace the cross was he understood his father's heart for him. He understood what God was doing in and through him. And friends, today, do you understand what pain is doing in your life and will you let it achieve its purpose in you? Because its primary purpose is to drive you closer to Jesus. Nothing else really matters, friends. Friends. I am going, (laughs) do you think you can bear fruit any other way? Do you think you can access the life that God has for you any other way? And so friends, today, the first and primary purpose of God in your life and mine it is to joy to Christ. Any not yet believers in the room today, let me tell you what God is interested in in your life primarily is that you come to Jesus. Is you come to confess him as your Lord and Savior. It doesn't matter about whether you're a good person coming to church or not. Ultimately, those are secondary issues. The only way you can experience eternal life and the, the hand of God driving you, his, his direction and his plans and his purposes for you is to drive you more closely and more confidently towards Jesus. And so our default reaction to trouble or triumph is to stay close to Christ. I ask you this morning, are you willing to do that today as a default position to trust God and to bunker down and to say, though this pressure comes and bears onto my faith, oh, I know what you're doing, God, and I'm trusting you. I might not have all the details yet of the specific lessons, but the grandeur, the big picture is that you are wanting me to drive, be driven more closely to Jesus, and that's where I'm going to go. That's the right response. That's where you start. That's where you stay. But the second part is this. It's not just that we might be uh, fellowship with Jesus. The second part of unpacking God's will for our life is that we will be fruitful like Jesus. Now you can't read John 15 without seeing that it's not just about us getting getting to enjoy God. It's God getting to enjoy some things from us. It's a profound thing. But God has ordained your life to bring him glory. And you can't miss it here. I want to be very clear. Isn't it interesting? Have you ever thought about a grapevine? It's not a pretty plant, right? It's actually pretty ugly. Have you, have you, ever, any of you chosen to plant a vine for decorative purposes in your garden? I had a, my surrogate grand growing up, Granny Gaynor. She's now with the Lord. I stayed, I mean, I, I went to her house probably for 20 Two years, she lived down the road. The only time she pointed out her vine to me, which I did not know existed, was when it was bearing fruit. Up until then, no one cared about the vine. It's this flimsy, pathetic little thing. You think to yourself, what's on earth? The glory of the vine is its fruitfulness, not so. And the Lord likes to boast about your growth in the kingdom. It says here, that the Father would be glorified, glorified, it's wonderful, Will be brought glory by the way we bear fruit and so prove to be Christ's disciples. And you cannot miss, it's not just about fellowship here, it's about fruitfulness. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. In other words, it, how do we know what God is doing in our lives fundamentally at, at all seasons of the soul? The first is, is he wants us to draw close to Jesus. The second is, he wants us to be fruitful. James chapter 1, verse 2-4 to four says, The reason why we rejoice in trials is not because of the pain, but the outworking of that pain which is that we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This testing of our faith that produces steadfastness, it's having a result. And it might not be pleasant for you, but friends, as we hold by faith to the Son of God, it is so pleasing for the gardener. Don't you think the gardener, like Granny Gaynor? she didn't boast much about the vine, that didn't have any fruit, but the moment there were these big clusters of grapes, this little Piddly, pithy little thing, producing this glorious amount of fruit. She was boasting. She said, "Can't you see my vine? Look how all this wonderful!" Vine. You know, that's what God's like for you. He wants you to be a planting of the Lord, as Isaiah tells us, for the display of His splendor. You are His ambassadors. You were made in His image. We learned, as an eldership, um, this last week about how you know when you went into the pagan temples. Every pagan temple had a nice little statue that told you that's the god. You want to go pray in that pagan temple? You would go walk in and you would see that this great statue is now the representation of the deity. Do you know why? We don't have temples. You know, we don't have statues in our buildings. It's because we are meant to be the statues. We are meant to be the representations of this God. When the world looks at us, they get a little foretaste of God. And friends, for the Christian who's growing, for the church that is expanding, for the kingdom that's advancing, it brings God great glory. In heaven, he can even be like like Job. When he can say, have you seen my servant Job? There's no one like him. Put him to the test and see what you get. You'll get righteousness. Do you know that's what God's like to you? And the reason why I want to make a big deal about this this morning is, you know, the church swings between different aspects of salvation. One is, it's all about this glorious God and very little about us. Or it swings the other way we're we at today, where postmodernism tells us everything's about us. So whatever we are concerned about in the Christian faith is connected to me. I want to expand the glory of this salvation, friends. It is not just for our enjoyment, but for the glory of God. Amen? You know what it'll do for you? It will make you feel the joy of having a much bigger purpose that makes you deny some pleasures and embrace some pain because you know that in this season, God is getting glory through your life. Sickness, work, Lack of whatever you're needing. All forms of suffering as we stand and we say, Lord, we trust you. We, we're doing this because we trust in your character and goodness. And as the fruitfulness of Christ is flowing from your lips and your hearts and your body and your mind. Friends, God is getting great glory. That's why you were made. You see, we must shift a little bit from making this Christian life just an experience. It is. But it's about God's experience to and why am I making such a big point of this? Is because, friends, the way you live your life matters to God. What do I mean? What's the danger here for SBC? Is that this essence of your walk with Jesus is just a one-way experience for you this morning. You come to church to get something that you need. Do you know that you are here because God has a need in you? He wants your life. He wants you to display the glory of his splendor. He wants you to grow in the likeness of Jesus. And a consumer church, which is we are at risk of becoming SBC, I want to warn us against it this morning. A consumer church only thinks one dimensionally about salvation, which is what's in it for me. A Christ-like church A Christ-like believer understands it's not just what's in it for me, but what's in it for God. And friends, you were saved to be on display for the glory of His splendor. Now you might feel that's an impossible task. Don't you worry. God's done something impossible in you to make it possible. Everything that He is giving and offering you in heaven today is to help you become more like Him. You lack nothing in your inheritance in Jesus this morning. But you you see, unless it switches over in your mind, you will always come here saying, what can I take? You won't come here thinking, what is God calling me to bring? And friends, when those two come together, a sustained life of faithfulness, a sustained life of grace leading to faith and works that glorify Jesus. That's the kind of people when God looks and goes, wow, they are bringing me great glory. Whoops! I brought the wrong, in it doesn't matter, I'm okay. My second point this morning is this. Is deeper fellowship with Jesus leads to greater fruit. Now, I don't often do this, so you might have a good chuckle. It it is typically Baptist to do this, but I'm, I'm not typically Baptist. So, I have eight C's on how to draw close to Jesus this year. They are very simple. Yeah, you laughed, Joe. But I want to remind you that this is very, very important. And I've tried to think of a way that you can walk away this morning and go, all right, mate, I hear you. That I am... I, God's primary purpose for the rest of my life is to draw me to Christ and out of that relationship to bring about fruitfulness for His name. I get it, right? So how do I do it? Well, I want to give you eight C's that I have practiced. You can do it in the shower. You can do it whilst you're praying. You just quickly run through it. You can write these in your Bible next to John 15. Once a week, you just go through it in your mind. And I tell you, it, for me, it has been a great blessing. I hope it will be for you this morning. So here we go. The first C on how to cultivate a deeper closeness to Christ is that you must remember you are cleansed. Cleansed. Jesus says in verse 3 of chapter 15, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Friends, this is profound gospel language. This is Jesus saying, This relationship that you enjoy is not based on how well you're doing. Your cleansing and forgiveness of sin this morning is not based on your competency, not even on your obedience, but on a position that you have received by grace. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus can say the Christian is cleansed already? Already something has happened in your heart to enjoy this relationship before you've done anything for the one that saved you. You can enjoy close fellowship by sheer grace. Already you are clean. Now I want to remind you this morning, friends, what we're talking about in fruitfulness it's not a means of trying to get close to Jesus by performance. Now you'll notice I'm trying to do a very tight rope here because at the end we're going to call you to do some stuff. But friends, that's not your confidence before Jesus. It's flowing from your confidence before Jesus. I want to put it like this. You are not saved by good works. You are saved for good works. Do you understand that? Please just nod quickly. I'll put it in another language. It's very helpful because these are words that you must preach to yourself because you're not going to feel it. Your position comes with purpose, but it is never attached to your performance. I'll say it again. Your position in Christ comes with great purpose, but it is never attached to your performance. Can I just get an amen to that? Isn't that wonderful? I'm hoping you feel the gravitas of this call of the kingdom, but don't feel crushed by it this morning. You know what the joy of the Lord is? It's your strength. Do you know Why? is because you get up in the morning. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how well yesterday went. It doesn't matter how much you prayed. It doesn't matter how much you read your Bible. The great secret to enjoying this wonderful relationship with Jesus is that you're there already. It's by coming to this God and believing in His Word. You, you believe this gospel that's come to you. He says, already you clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. You remind yourself day in and day out. I am not attached to my performance or fruitfulness. God forbid, who can be? I mean, you look at some of our fruit, you go, oh my goodness, am I even saved? You Yes, you are by what? By what? By grace and by believing a message that Jesus has come out of God's love for you and that he is your way, your truth, and life. And by believing his words, friends, you are born again into this position and you are never going to be moved from it. Do you know what it does? It stops you from taking yourself too seriously. No, sir? Do you know what the great catastrophe to Christian growth is a guilty conscience a feeling of failure and a deep sense of inadequacy to live a life for Jesus because of repeated mistakes and falling friends do you want to know what's going to fuel this relationship with Jesus is knowing that you have been brought close to him by a cleansing that has happened already and you enjoy him this morning by sheer grace through faith and nothing's ever going to change that. Can I get another amen? Now the difference is the believer today, this is going to be terrifying for you if you think that you are able to have confidence before the throne of God by your sweat, blood and tears. Good luck, my friend. I did that for most of my Christian life. It was an utter failure. But this morning, what you are called to is wonderful. I don't have words to describe the incredible mercy of God in your life that is welcome you to live close to the Son of God. Now little tensions can come in. Oh my goodness. Although my kids were born into my family by sheer grace, they didn't choose it, they didn't work it, they just happened to come into it by birth. There's little tensions and foxes are coming, but let me tell you what. Come hell or high water, they're mine, and I'm theirs, and nothing's ever going to change that. And can I just explain this morning what it does to the heart that's full of anxiety and fear? Even more than that, regret. You are not clean by how well you're doing this morning. You have confidence because God has called you to come in Christ and has given you a position to enjoy forever. And why is this so important? Because the closer you feel in your confidence to come to Jesus, the more fruitful you will be. The mark of grace in a human heart is realizing that you come very close because you don't deserve it. I wanna ask you this morning, what are you basing your confidence to come to Christ on today? That is the essence of where you must start And that is the essence of where you must stay. Can I say to anybody here who is not yet a believer in Jesus, you have no right to come according to your flesh. It has to be by faith in the Son of God. I want to be very clear. Coming to church is not going to do it. It's a good place to be, but it hasn't changed anything in you yet. The only way you can start having a relationship with God is by faith in Jesus Christ. And the only way you grow in this relationship with Jesus is by enjoying where God puts you and being refused to move. Isn't it wonderful language? Come and abide in me. What does that mean? Is you simply enjoy enjoy where God has put you already. That's how it works. And that's how you stay. The second is contact. The way we grow is from this cleansing. It brings us into close contact with Jesus. And John chapter 15 verse 45 says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, our qualification by faith is to bring us into a very close contact with Jesus. And this contact with Jesus is something that's very practical. Joe, quickly come up here. He, he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't know I'm going to do this. Okay. Don't worry, you're going, to, you're going to hit it out the park. All right. I want to remind you that this isn't a stream of consciousness thing where you go, Woo, Jesus is running this sort of real of, of, of existence and, and words all throughout the day. No, no, no. What does it mean to be in frequent contact? What does it mean for you to live in frequent contact with Jesus? Well, I want you this morning to pick, can you take your mask off? Okay. Yeah. I want you to picture Jesus as having a mouth. He speaks. I want you to have a... Don't worry, it also has a nose. We won't go there. He has ears. He can hear. He has a mind. He can think. He has a heart. He can feel. He has a hand that can touch. And friends, the way that you draw close to Jesus is you remember he's a person. And he can have contact with you (laughs) in in your life. And Joe is a special example because we do a lot of life together. You know... I go with Joe to work. He's with me at work. I'm aware. Joe's, Joe's presence is there. He's just a conversation away. Joe, what do you think? Oh. I'm so upset. What, are you oh, Joe, what do you got? Or Joe, what's happening in your life? He's right there with me. He, he goes to work with me. He runs with me. As we're running, there we're running. Joe, you know what? Th- yeah, I'm aware. Joe is there. He's talking. He's, he, he, I can smell his sweats. He can smell mine. There's, there's, a, there's a union that's happening here. He comes to church with me. He's always here. Whenever I'm at church, he's with me. He socializes. When we relax, he's there. Not all the time, luckily. I mean, I'm, this is Joe. We're not talking about Jesus here, essentially. But you get the picture that this, this, this I, I feel far from him. I feel near to him. I feel connected to him. By an awareness, even when I don't necessarily sense his personal presence I'm aware he's there. And friends, the way Jesus works in your life is he shares everything with you. And if you want to start growing with Jesus, is stop making him a statue that you pray to and stop making him a person that you do life with, and you will find your life changing. You were brilliant. Well done.) Do you want to grow? This is not rocket science. My pastor was a wise man. He's still my pastor in P. He said, Matthew, you've got to talk to Jesus a lot. And then you expect him to talk back to you. Can I just ask some simple questions this morning? How aware are you intentionally in your day that Christ is sharing everything with you? When last did you hear his voice? As you opened up the Bible... As James says in one, John, uh, James chapter 1, verse 21 things, meekly receive the implant of it. He's going to come and talk to you. He's going to come as you go. And you'll remember a scripture. You'll be a conversation. There'll be something that you've got to tackle, and you'll feel this guidance. Of, it's the most exciting thing, but it's for the one who's willing to lay hold of it. And friends, it's not rocket science, but friends, you have to remain in contact with this Jesus. And the way you will feel close to him is by preaching the gospel to you every single day. It doesn't matter if you fall down, you remember oh, the blood of Jesus keeps me. Whether you're doing well, oh, the blood of Jesus keeps Everything is here because of a contact that God has provided through the body and blood of Jesus. We are cleansed for closeness. My third thing is this, is caution. So we've got cleansed, we've got contact, we've got caution. Friends, Jesus says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. What is Jesus saying here is, in your life, the most important thing you keep your eye on is your fellowship with Jesus. Oh, I'm trusting God will give you grace to see it this morning. If you neglect this relationship, Christian, it will damage you. It will damage you. Church will never be a substitute for what Christ is to you. Not yet, believer, if you try to bypass God without going through the cross of Christ and Jesus, you will not be able to experience eternal life. But don't you know what Colossians says? As you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him. As you received him, recognizing what was at stake by having faith in Jesus Christ, you continue to remind yourself that this is the most important relationship in your life. And what you do with it will be tested. I must say this. 1 Corinthians 3 is very clear. The works you have done in the flesh can either be hay, straw, and stubble, or precious gold, precious stones and gold and silver. It is going to pass through fire. You will be saved, but you can be saved through fire. And today what Jesus is wanting us to catch in our hearts is that the outworking of this relationship is great blessing. Oh, but the neglect of it is also great loss. Not loss of position but loss of the purpose for which you were saved and the reward God wants to attach to it. My fourth is commands today. So it's cleansed, you are cleansed. Second is contact. Third is caution. Fourth is commands. It says, if you abide in me, verse 7 of chapter 15, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. God's words are going to come into your life and you obey them. You don't fight them. When Scripture is clear, you flow it. You don't try to be clever, more clever than Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, anybody in this room knowing what the commands of God are in your life, are you doing it? Are you obeying it? Because, friends, a part of fruitfulness is obedience. Is that we understand that He's the head and He has command over my life. And I live according to His word and according to His way. And to, do, to not do so leads to great damage. Ah, oh, but to do so leads to great blessing. Ask whatever you wish, Jesus says, and it will be done for you. It will come through prayer. We have to ask. It will come through obedience. My fifth is this, confirmation. It says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. One of the great blessings of staying close to Jesus and being obedient to him is that you begin to see your faith confirmed within your own heart. Anybody here not sure if they're a Christian? You're doing the Christian stuff. You've been coming to church, but never quite sure whether or not you're going to make it into heaven. Well, the first is, I ask, do you believe the gospel? But the second is this, is we are to also get encouragement over a long period of time by seeing change within ourselves. I ask you this morning, Christian believer, when last did you see fruit? Can you see yourself becoming a more forgiving person like Jesus? Can you see yourself becoming more open-hearted to those who are different towards you? Can you see your faith growing and trusting in who God is? Oh, I must steal the next point. Can you see yourself growing? Can you see the fragrance of Jesus that you enjoy in your fellowship with him being translated to others? We're going to get there. God's commands are very, very clear. But friends, is your faith being confirmed in your life by fruitfulness? The way you track if you, the, the absence of it is one: Do you have you believed the gospel? Or are you cleansed? But secondly, are you staying close to Jesus? Come, hello, hello, water. Because the last thing I want to say: Oh no, no, my, my notes have printed incorrectly. I'm sorry. Is number six is character? So it's cleansed. It's contact. It's uh, help me out here. Caution. Commands. Confirmation character. This is the big one. You know, my pastor taught me something profound. Jesus put it like this. He said this, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Do you know what can make the Christian get through anything in their life? Is they believe God loves them. Do you know what faith is tethered to in scripture? It's the character of God. God. And today, friends, if you're going to grow, you're going to have to trust that whatever His hand is bringing into your life, if it's not being taken away by request, it's for your good and for His glory. And today, instead of doubting God, every time some sort of difficulty or pain comes into your life, the way you're going to be fruitful is your default is, no, this is the Father who didn't spare His only Son for me. I trust His character. I knuckle down into His Word and I believe He is who He says He is to me. Even if I have to wait for it, even if it's a position of faith for the rest of my life, I believe God's character is good, and I trust Him. Are you willing to trust His character today, friends? I don't know what you're going through. The seventh is conscience. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in His love. You know what I learned by trying to keep John 15? It's impossible to serve God without a clear conscience. It's impossible. Anyone Anybody here? Having a guilty conscience before God, you must deal with it. The first is you bring the blood of Christ. John tells us you sprinkle your conscience with the blood. You remind yourself that you have forgiveness outside of your performance and you stay there. But there's something else that's required. It's not just coming back to the gospel. It is obedience to what God is saying. Is there anything in your life at the moment where God is saying, hey, you've got to sort this out. Friends, you've got to do it. If you've got to go say sorry to someone, or you've got to get out of sin, or you know you're doing something that won't please Jesus when you stand before him one day, you've got to sort it out. You've got to get it um, rectified, because friends, the damage that happens to fruitfulness is a a guilty conscience, and you will not be able to find joy in the gospel if you know that there's something that you haven't put right in an action. And lastly, it leads to conclusion, is you will find, as John 15 verse 11 says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that. Your joy may be full. To live close to Jesus and to obey his word as it comes into your life, to follow these wonderful seas of trusting his character and his goodness, you will find that there is no better way to live. God's joy will start to pour into your hearts when you serve one master. When you make your primary concern a relationship that you're going to enjoy forever. Christian, I tell you, no eye has seen No ear has heard the wonders that God has in store for you. If you will give yourself, it will start to prove true. The joy of the Lord will start to burst forth in your mind. In your heart, you'll start to find the double-minded way of living, this guilty conscience, never fully giving yourself to God and always trying to follow more than one master. It's an awful way to live. Oh, why don't you come and, and find connection with Christ, obedience to Christ, and enjoyment of Christ that leads to righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. There's only one way to live. It will confirm that Christ's ways are the best. And so we are left today with a choice. How are you going to live your life? 2022 is opening up. We don't know how much time there is. But I'll tell you what God's interested in is your contact with Jesus. And secondly, the fruitfulness that he wants to see in your life flowing from it. He'll do it. But it's going to take following him. And so... Church, my last and final point is that Jesus gives us three great commands. He lands on a commandment. And I just want a few more minutes to unpack why you see these different corners in the church, these signs, these different stations. We're going to make this concrete. In John 15 verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. He talks about fellowship and closeness and contact but then he lands on command. Is there is something he wants us to live out in response of who we live in? There is a very important distinction Jesus makes. This is not just a passive reception; it's an active, faithful obedience to his commands. And Jesus gave three great commands. I'm going to cut a little bit short here because it basically will be summarised. Remember, he was asked, what's the greatest commandment in, in your life? What is, that, what is it that God, in summary, wants you to do? What is your fellowship with Jesus going to call you to this year? Well, the first is, who, you can know. some of you will know it. What's the first and greatest command? You shall love the Lord your God with? You shall love the Lord your God. Remember, every little piece of our life. It's reserved for him. It's not a choice. Can I just say? Although he's welcoming you to decide to be obedient, the command is there. How is your heart, soul, mind, and strength being offered up to God this year? The second commandment is this. It's a bit shorter. (laughs) What's the second great commandment? It's a bit louder. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And What's the third that he adds? Anybody know? He says it twice. I never knew it. John. John 14 and John 6:15. He says it, John 13, sorry, and John 16, he says it twice. He says, "A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. He qualifies that love. And Jesus lands on this new commandment because it combines all three. Let me tell you now, as Michael Eaton says and rightly, he says, "You can fool yourself that you love God." but you can't fool yourself if you don't love your neighbor, right? <laughs> That's why Jesus can summarize it all into one. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The way that you know you are in love with God is how well you are loving the person next to you. But he goes further, and I, and I would never have thought this as a naive first-time first-time believer, first, a, a new believer. Do you know who someone's harder to love than just your neighbor who lives next door and you can close the gate and say ta-ta to No, no. He says, your brothers, your sisters. He summarizes these things into your brothers and sisters in Christ. Friends, these are the people you're going to have to learn to get along with, and it's not always easy. The other colleague, you can say, ciao, I'll see you at five o'clock tomorrow. But when God's saying for Christian fellowship, if you really want to love God and demonstrate your love for your neighbor, it is when you have to love your very family. And let me tell you, we know what it's like when your family's in your face, when they do things that drive you crazy, when they say things that you don't like. I want to tell you, love is challenged to the hilt when you have to do deep community with fellow believers. Thank you. Someone knows what I'm talking about here. Welcome to the family. You didn't get to choose. You're sitting next to you, but you have to live with him. And it's hard. (laughs) Today, church, we express these three things in loving up, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving in, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Loving out, you shall love your neighbor. It is an unqualified neighbor. It doesn't mean you're Christian, by the way. It means the person that you rub shoulders with in the streets and in work and in your life. These people that are not yet perhaps in the faith fold, like that Samaritan verse, verse the, the Jew. Friends, this neighborly, neighborliness, this love of, of God expressed to those that don't necessarily deserve it, is what we are called to as a church. And I want to ask you today, how are you loving in response to your relationship with Jesus? Do you notice why I'm stressing? We are not interested in systems. We're not interested in programs. We're interested in how our heart is expanding and being translated into our hands. That's the point of a godly community. We are living from God's hand in Christ so that our hands might be strengthened to be a blessing to Him. That's the cycle of how we live. We love up, we love in, we love out in response to the love received and poured out upon us in Christ. Amen. And the reason why this matters is, friends, our life is short. And we have to make careful decisions about what we're going to give our lives to. And I want to ask you, these are the commands that matter. And in our stupid little ways, really, this is the most imperfect and uh, pathetic attempt (laughs) of trying to just help you take some next steps in expressing your love for Jesus this year. We want to ask you, first of all, uh, can we pop up the next, the journey? This is uh, uh, the slide. So this is a very silly way of trying to portray something that's circular. So I want you in your mind to attach these together and make, I've just cut it in half. It's a circle that's, that's here, that's now a line. And I want to ask you in your journeying with Jesus this year, where are you? In, in, it's not a full picture. There's a lot, but these are the, come of the, some of the key things in translating our obedience and love for Jesus into his scriptural commands. This is the journey that we, we have mapped out at SBC for now. You arrive, like this morning, you'll get the gospel that you need Jesus. If you know the gospel, might it deepen in your life by community? Yeah. If you don't know the gospel, you need to respond to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That translates into baptism, the command of of expressing your faith publicly that you are Christ's. It leads to committed fellowship. This year, have you have you responded to the gospel? Have you been baptized? Are you in fellowship? And in Acts chapter 242, they were devoted to the fellowship expressed in two ways. Expressed as the Sunday or temple gathering and the small groups in people's homes. They were committed. We want to ask you, are you committed this year to fellowship? Somewhere in there, you see the generosity in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 45. Everything they had, they gave as an offering to their, to, to, if someone was in need in the fellowship and to the work of the gospel. There was a translation of receiving generosity from God and translating that with their finances, with their food, with their time, with everything that was in their hand. It was an attitude, a posture of generosity. Where are you on that this year? Do you see yourself as a mutual contributor or someone that's just there to receive? And then in that, there were serving, there were gifts in the body. And might I just say, you don't need to know everything perfectly before you stop being a practical love towards those around you. There was, well, for us, there was certainly, we see in Scripture, a membership that the eldership knew who they were responsible for. That there was a sense of each church had an identity, local church and a community that had a way of being governed are you a member yet at SBC? And the reason why we're putting it on the journey is we want our members to exemplify these things of Christian living. Members who've been here for decades, how are you doing? I've had to ask myself, how am I exemplifying the values of Jesus for his community? We want our members to be on display, to say, if you want to know what it means to enjoy a committed life in Jesus, come and look at one of ours. And that also leads to missional living, where we're growing as a church, but we recognize it's a crazy thing. We don't Someone said, "I think it was Dave. who told me the church does not exist. It's the only community that doesn't exist for itself. Is that right? Did you say that?" It sounds like you. It Sounds like wise wisdom. Um, but that we're invi- when last did you invite someone to church? I had to ask myself. I'm, I'm, I find small group easier. I'll be honest. But when last did you play a part in, in bringing people into the presence of Jesus, whether it be friendship circles in our small groups or at church? There is the gospel. There is eternal life. There is this wonderful part of of being in this big kingdom that this world is passing away and this fullness is going to come. How are we being missional in the way we think about our colleagues, our friends, and our our, our family? And then remember, it's a cycle. This is linked. So missional living leads to new life. We want to see church and churches grow. And what happens is is that cycle leads to someone new arriving or it's an existing cycle already in you and me which deepens and becomes more fruitful. That's how we've unpacked in a very silly way. It's incomplete, but those are the big flags we want to fly today and go, where are you? What's your next step in the journey? How are you expressing your love for Jesus through committed community? Okay, so lastly, well done. We're finishing off here. When the next slide of Love Love, Love Up? Yes. So this is, this is the Love Up station, right? Yes. So if you want to, this year, take a few, this is very practical. You want to get better at your Bible reading. You want to join the prayer team. You want to do, parents, you've got faith at home. We, we do a, a monthly package which helps you t- uh, train your child in the gospel. These are just three things we are doing this year to strengthen our love for Jesus. Do you want to come in the corner here? Sign up for that. You can pop it in the box, and we'll call you during the week. If you have questions, don't worry. We'll call you, and you can chat through that. Next one, love in. Here we go. How are you going to love, uh, obey the second, the, the, yeah, Jesus' new commandments? There's lots of areas to get involved. These are just some of them. Uh, hospitality. Weren't you loved by those serving you when you came in this morning? Worship, production, next-gen, that's our youth and children's ministry. By the looks of it, we're going to need lots of helpers here. Our kids' ministry and our, our youth ministry is booming. Women's, men's ministry, third act, that's our seniors, visitation team, pantry, meals team, marriage course, divorce care, freedom fight, those who are struggling with sexual addiction. Any of those this year that you, man, I would love to put my hand up to help, or maybe there's something else. You just put your name down there and put a blank and say so we'll call you. All right. Next one, loving arts. This is a wonderful opportunity to serve the gospel outside of the life of SBC. If you have a heart for the poor, those who need work, NCO, New Community Outreach is wonderful. Sign up for that. Breath of Life. I saw the Rileys here. Where are they? There we go. Abandoned babies and and crisis pregnancy. I also saw Pam. Yes. Counseling in abortion clinics. Amazing work that's happening there. You can volunteer personally or you can give as a guardian. It's Cornonia. Drug Rehab. The POVs are doing phenomenal work Um, if you want to support them. Joe Davey, also doing, she's training missionaries to go global in South Africa, financially and in prayer. All of that's over there. The Love Out is over there in that corner and next year on Friday. There's so much stuff happening. It's not complete. We can do more. But I want to ask you, what are you going to do this year? How are you going to express your love for Jesus? And then lastly, if you want to take a next step, come to our meet and greets if this is a new space for you. Come to our Foundations class, that's if you want to become a member. Come to our Baptism class if you want to get baptized. And if you have done all of that and not yet are a member, but want to be, will not you come and uh, sign up? That's going to be out there in the foyer. Very simple. At the end of the service, you're going to stand up. You're going to have a moment now just to ask the Lord, what are you saying to me? And then if you, did I say small group? Was small group on there? That's a huge one. Did I miss that? All tables have small groups. Please. You've got to come to a small group this year, all right? It is the most important next step for discipleship. Um, we've got some wonderful small groups. We'll be painting them over the next three weeks. If you want a week to think about it, they'll be up next week and the week after that. All right. so let's pray <laughs> Oh Lord. We're grateful for the way that we get to be active participants in your kingdom. And my hope this morning is that each of us just have a little nudge towards faithfulness. Faithfulness towards fellowship with you and faithfulness towards a desire to be fruitful. And I don't mind, Lord, if it's just the next nudge... It's not changing the world. It's not changing our entire diaries. It's not feeling pressurized to not only talk about the church. No, Jesus. It's about asking the deeper questions of what am I living for and why am I here? And how do I make this life count? And you know, the kingdom is much broader than these areas that we talked about this morning within SBC. But Lord, we do want to be faithful in some way to start participating and being a blessing not only to your people not only to you, but the last as well. And so I'm just going to give you a moment. Just ask yourself the question. It may be that God is saying, no, just strengthen what you're already doing. I'm not asking you to do any more. Well done. You, these areas in your life are growing. You, you knuckle down and you, you be faithful with what you're already doing. That's good. Well done. But is there anybody here that sat on the chair, <laughs> existed in COVID for so long, And just needs a fresh call in Christ today to go, man, I want my life to count for Jesus. Give you a moment to think about what you need to respond to. Loving up, loving in, loving out, or next step. Lord I pray as we're going to just wrap up now with this final song and then just responding I pray Lord that your joy would come and fill our hearts at the prospect of what's in store for us that Lord this morning you would help us see that there's no better life lived than one that's close to Jesus and even if that means Lord going away and praying this week saying Lord what are you wanting from my life how how are you wanting me to flow with you are you happy Lord I pray the joy of knowing that your goodness is going to pour in to our lives as we entrust them to you that you're a good shepherd I pray Lord that you would do this for us this week that we would learn to trust the voice of the one who commands us and who saved us in Jesus name Amen Amen so why don't you stand one more time we're going to wrap up with a song okay and then before running out just respond to the Lord or take a week to think about it
1: and yeah. I- There's no one
2: you so much for the word that was brought to us this morning we thank you that we are secure and safe in you that our position is secured in Christ this is not something that we gain through effort but has been freely given to us and it's such a free place to be but also Lord we know that you call us to a life of purpose a life to live for the glory of Christ and so I pray that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit so that we might be a people who live on mission for you we might be close to you that you would be with us every single step of the way we pray this in Jesus name Amen thank you everyone that is the end of our service just a reminder of the three four tables that you can go sign up at. what has God been saying to you go and sign up where you need to do that I think particularly of small groups this week uh, make sure that you uh, if you're not a part of community that you do sign up you can sign up at each table for that second last thing man if God has spoken to you go listen to the sermon again it's online uh, go listen to it. Let it uh, listen. Let not this not be something that goes through one ear and out the other. Um, otherwise, that's the end of the service. Enjoy some fellowship outside. We do have some coffee for you this morning as well. Why